0: We are going to turn to 1 Peter. We've been looking at 1 Peter and we're going to stay in chapter 2 this week and read from verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps, because he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. We stop there today. And uh, may God speak through his word. Um, So roughly every two weeks, we're looking at 1 Peter and tying in with what we're doing in our grow groups at the moment. And the key Scripture uh, from this passage today is uh, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The context of 1 Peter, that of the Christians in um, what would be Turkey today, um, around that part, And suffering under the Roman Empire and uh, the burden of Emperor Nero, who uh, famously um, uh, tied Christians to posts in his garden during his uh, soirees and uh, burnt them alive, was known to persecute the Christians. And so they were under the cosh, seeking to live for Jesus, um, but finding themselves, uh, finding it difficult to do so. And where we finished uh, a couple of weeks ago in in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special... Possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Verse 10 Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And these verses 9 and 10, you know, they're, they're, they're fabulous. It's fabulous stuff. Chosen People, Royal Peace to the holy Nation, we were unpacking that a couple of weeks ago. And it's just great to think as Christians, as a church, is uh, seeking to live for God, live for Jesus, make known the light of Christ in our generation, in our nation, as part of Christians across the world, to read those verses 9 and 10 and be encouraged and feel yes, this is who we are in Christ, this is what we call to be, this is how we should live our lives and then when we get to verse 11 12 and so on it's like back bump back down to earth and then what about monday morning when we go out into the world and we go out into monday morning at work or at school or at uh, college or at uh, uh, if you're retired whatever activities you're doing through the week and it can feel like a slog it can feel as if the world's against you and it can feel overwhelming at times to live for Christ, to be a Christian, and to share the love of Christ in the world, in in the UK, in the West, at this time in history. Um, And I wanted to, uh, but coming back to this verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. And think about this passage in terms of how we are influencers, how we influence the worlds in which we live um, in, the, uh, in, in the world today. I want to look at the next slide. Um, if uh, Jane can pull it up, if she can see, with the sun shining in her eyes. <laughs> She's standing there with the computer like this trying to be able to see. Have you ever tried doing a computer in... Daylight, is it not working? It's, not, it's on the screen, but it's not on the thing. Okay, let's see if this comes. Who are the people? Um, here's a little uh, uh, while we sort that out. He, who are the people um, that you think of when you say people, people who have influenced, had a big influence in the world or in one way or another? whether today or in history. We'll take Jesus as a given, okay, so you don't need to say Jesus. Uh, we'll take that as a given. Um, but who else would you think of? Have a chat to the person next to you, or if you're by yourself, uh, or you don't want to talk to the person next to you, just think about it yourself. And um, just have a think. Who would you think of? okay. Got my roving micro- microphone. Anybody want to suggest who we've been talking about? We said um, Martin Luther King, Ma- Mother Teresa, Gandhi. Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Martin Luther King. Much the same. <laughs> Much the same. Is that what everybody's thinking? Anybody want to add to that? Um, oh, Christine? William Wilberforce. William Wilberforce. Yeah, great. Okay. Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. Lisa? Desmond Tutu. Yeah, Desmond Tutu from behind. Desmond Tutu. Yeah, a great South African uh, people who uh, led change. Um, and what what makes these people um, significant <coughs> in bringing about change and influencing others for justice in every area for for justice. Yeah, the cause that they were fighting for. And uh, anybody want to add to that? What makes these people the different people we've mentioned? Important people, influential people. For, William, uh, for me, William Wilberforce, he didn't have to do what he did. He was quite privileged. He was, you know, he was a Christian. He wanted to go into the ministry, but instead he stayed within parliament and government and helped. Change to happen there, and he didn't have to because he had nothing to gain, yeah, just his conscience really. Yeah, because he advocated for other people who couldn't advocate well, who were advocating for themselves, but they needed the help of people in corridors of power, didn't they? To help that, most of them have uh, consideration for human beings like themselves, you know, they had consideration, so they had compassion and they had a heart for people. Something about who they were and the kind of people. Yep, brilliant. Um, so there we are. There's a handful of people that uh, I threw up um, to stimulate you. But uh, we've already, people mentioned Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Martin Luther King. Do you know who the others are? Uh, Churchill, you can't think. I'll put Churchill on there because obviously the course of the Second World War. Um, was quite, Churchill had quite a significant significant role up there. Um, who else have we got up there? Top left. Emily Pankhurst. Emily Pankhurst. Martin Luther. And Martin Luther is the next one along, um, who um, who triggered the Reformation when the Catholic Church was uh, bound up with uh, what they called indulgences, taking money for touch the bones of saints and things like that. Martin Luther led the charge about, um, no, scripture alone. Are, it's, you, know, you need to have the scriptures in the hands of the people. And uh, faith alone, grace alone. Um, anybody who believes in Christ can come to Christ and be forgiven and encounter God. So that's a, in a, one sentence what Martin Luther was about. Uh, top right might be a tricky one. Um, not so well-known. Um, William Carey, who was considered to be the founder of uh, the modern missionary movement in the 1790s, um, started the Baptist Mission Society, of which a lot of the other missionary societies um, followed suit. Um, so, bottom left, you've got Winston Churchill, Martin Luther King, Gandhi. And everybody knows who the bottom right is. It's Greta Thunberg. And the 16-year-old who is a Swedish young lady who is rocking the boat in terms of bringing climate change to the top of the agenda. Um, you know, there's a thing, if we can go to the next screen. Um, now, have you heard of these people? How many people have heard of Felix Kielberg? Hey, Two. Three. Hey, look! You see? You spot the young people here. Um, Winderson Nunez. Um, so Felix Kielberg, Swedish. Winderson Nunes, Spanish, and Zoella. You might have heard of Zoella, a bit more well known. Um, you see products um, in the shops um, branded. Um, so this is the new world of influencing people. Because the numbers there, the figures there, Felix Gielberg has 80 million followers on YouTube. The videos he puts out have been viewed by 80 million people. That's more people than live in the UK um, across the world are watching his videos. And Winderson Nunes, 77 million. These are up in the top of YouTube um, uh, followers. And Zoella, Zoella's quite far down the list, but I wanted to put somebody in there who you might have a half chance of, of recognising. And so you can see, I still don't recognise her. 12 million followers. And this new term, influencers, influencers, which refers to people who influence, have an influence on how people think, particularly the younger generations and... Um, so much so that products, brands, um, want these people to use their products because they know that if they can get Felix Kielberg, um, you know, to eat a Mars bar, to put it in simple language, eighty million people will want to eat Mars bars. That's the influence they have. And um, so it's hugely important uh, in marketing these days to see who are the influencers. And it's all about social media. An interesting trivial fact for those of us who are a little bit older and don't do YouTube so much, but do Twitter or Facebook. So who's the... which Twitter, which person on Twitter... If you don't know what Twitter is, don't worry. Let it go over your head. We'll be back in five minutes. Carry on. Who on Twitter, who has the most followers on Twitter? There's a good question. Who has the most followers on Twitter? Something like 110 million, I think it is. Um, Followers on Twitter. If you know what Twitter is, it's just those little 280 characters, I think it is now. Is that right? It was doubled from 140. Anybody want to hazard a guess? Sorry? The Pope? No, it's not the Pope, no. Justin Bieber. No, it's Justin Bieber. Well, it might be this week, but on the figures (laughs) I was... He's up there, he's up there. Barack Obama is well up there. Um, as one of the most followed people on Twitter. Um, So when we're thinking about influencing, this is the world in which we're in. But how how do we... Uh, influence people. The Apostle Paul here is talking about how we influence um, people. In verse 12, uh, live such good lives among the pagans that though they may accuse you of done wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. When we talk about making known the love of God, making known Christ and what he has done for us, the gospel of Christ. When we, we're talking about influencing. We're talking about making something known. We talk about persuading others to see that this is good for them and this can change their lives, that they have a need of Christ. And this is the challenge for the Christians in Peter's day, is when we are surrounded by so, ne- so much negativity and the Roman Empire is against you, how do you as Christians... Seek to not just live as a light in the darkness, but influence others and influence the world about you. And I want to just suggest three things out of this passage um, to help us. Firstly, influence them by your character. Verse 11. It starts, "The offence I urge you, as foreigners and exiles," which is a term Peter uses to say that's what it's like being a Christian in the Roman Empire. It's like you're a foreigner. It's like you're an exile because it's like you're in a country that you don't feel comfortable and at home, and it's all different around you, because as Christians, we're called to live a distinctive lifestyle. He says, I urge you, abstain from sinful desires, um, which wage war against your soul. And here, um, he's calling them, and in a number of times in 1 Peter, he calls them to live lives of integrity um, in Christ to live uh, with a character that is uh, unreproachable. Verse 12 goes on, live such good lives amongst them that they can accuse you of doing nothing wrong, to live lives of integrity. Uh, Lent, the period of Lent, the 40 days period of Lent, um, or 46 if you include the Sundays, um, if you're one of these people who, when you hear 40 days Lent and you count it from last Wednesday, you think this doesn't quite add up, and it's because Sundays aren't included. So, if you're giving up chocolate for Lent, Sundays you can eat chocolate because it's not <laughs> included in <Lent. laughs> Not many people know that. Um, there may be a reason for it. I, uh, but Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, goes out into the wilderness and is tested by the devil in the wilderness. It's a test of his character, a test of his commitment, a test of who he is, and what he's about, and what he stands for. And when we think about Lent, and if you're following a, peri- a, a program of readings, or and I don't know, this year, more than any year, there's, it's like everywhere I turn, there's, there's different Lent programs, books and, and readings. It's about... Uh, retreating and spending time with God. It's about searching your heart, your mind, who you are um, and your relationship with God and growing in character and um, uh, strength. And Peter has this there as he begins Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desires. Don't be drawn into just uh, giving up and going along with the flow um, of those around you. You've called to be distinctive, this chosen people, this holy nation, God's special possession. Live in this distinctive um, way, live this good life that they, though they may accuse you, um, actually, you have reputation because of your character. Um, verses 21 to 22 points us to Christ's character. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. And then this quote from Isaiah 53: He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in His mouth. Uh, somebody hinted at uh, when we the first. Slide, and we were talking about people um, from history who have brought significant change that uh, you know people who had compassion, people who wanted to do good for others and but there were often people who of, uh, character themselves um, not perfect by any means, and certainly with some those things would be documented but but um, they still human, but they were people of character, people of integrity. And we are called to this um, to uh, grow in our character and our integrity. Because people see that. People know us. Um, uh, and, you know, people see you day in, day out. They see you at work. They see you as a neighbor. It's funny, I, um, I was, uh, there's a man up our street and we, he never used to talk to me. I never used to talk to him. Well, I, I tried to smile at everybody in our street. If you pass somebody in the street, you try to be friendly. And um, it's curious for me because before we got parking permits, it used to be carnage down our street. And one time, this man, he used to put his bins out and there was just nowhere to park and there was cars backed up in the street and nobody could get past because there was no space to pull over. And I was so mad. I was frustrated. I got out of the car and I went and I got his bins and I flung them onto the pavement. <laughs> Why are you all laughing? You should be off at our pastor. <laughs> we knew we needed a new pastor who's a man of integrity. I, and I feel about so bad. And he came out of his house. And he's an older man, an older Pakistan man with his hat. And you know, he has all the garb. He come out and his stick. Oh, and he starts shouting at me about when he's been down. So we, we had this big argument in the street. You know what, since then, we've been best of friends. Every time he makes a point of stopping and chatting to me and shaking my hand and... and thing. But, but every time we do that, I always walk away thinking, why did that have to come out? Of a whole heap of disgraceful behaviour <laughs> on both of our parts, um, but I, you know, you learn from that, and you think, okay, good, come out of something that actually wasn't so good. I don't know how else um, we could have got there um, in terms of, you know, but we we broke through the ice, and uh, but you learn, and I, certainly for me, sometimes, you know, I I I, I get. Uh, attempt that gets to me, and uh, but I try to learn from that and uh, become uh, more the person that God wants me to be and who Jesus wants me to be. But people watch you, and I, you know, I think you know what. And I'll tell you the other thing about this family is um, is they they always give to Christian Kitchen, and they'll give me money for Christian Kitchen. And um, so, by the grace of God. Um, even though they might think, oh, he gets a bit funny with the bins. (laughs) He's got a bit of a temper on that one. Um, But, you know, we broke through that and moved on. But, you know, what do people see? What do people see uh, at work, in our neighbourhood, the way we live our lives? And what did it take from that? Did they see people who are like... Jesus. How do I see people who are at least on the journey to become more like Jesus, growing in grace, growing in character, in the fruits of the Spirit—love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Or do I see people who, you know, need help? (laughs) Somebody needs to go and tell him or her. Um, We're influenced by our character. Our character speaks. Secondly, and so Peter was concerned that the Christians didn't undermine their witness because of their character. Secondly, they're influenced by the things that we do. Again, verse 12 lists such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. So not just if we influenced by who we are, but we also influenced by what we do. And, um, you know, some of the Lenten programs... Encouraging us to go and bless people, do, do kind of one blessing a year, go and bless somebody, encourage somebody, speak affirmatively to somebody, um, to build them up and do good deeds. You know, as a church, the things we do um, through Christian Kitchen, um, through uh, the night shelter, through the different things that we do, uh, good things in the community uh speaks to people. Um, it, it builds what I call the reputation of the church in the community because we become known for being a church that does these things and seeks to help and change lives in our community. Um, so by the things we do, if we give ourselves to do good things, um, you know, if you're the one in the office who happily takes the cups and washes them up and uh, serves people in that way. Um, or you the person who takes your own cup and washes it and leaves everybody else's. There's lots of little ways that we can do good deeds that speak and that serve other people. We might do it in more significant ways and go on the extra mile to help somebody and uh, serve one another. Verse 16, For it is God's will uh, that by doing good, by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. I like that. <laughs> by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people as uh, Peter's uh, content creeping out. Um, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil to do what you want. But live as God's slave, serving God and seeking to honour God. Verse 17, show proper respect. There's a character. Love the family, believes, and so on. And uh, so simply by what we do, we can influence those around us and we can be a good witness Christ in the things that we do. And thirdly, influence by protest. And um, I, when we read a, a, a scripture like this, I think there's a challenge in it for us. And it's because when we read it, um, verse 18, some, uh, where is it? Slaves. In reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. And when we read this, it inevitably raises the question, well, why? Why should you submit to masters? Why should you submit to harsh masters? Why would you not? Why would Peter not encourage them to band together and rise up and overthrow the system? Why would Peter not do that? And I think it's a, uh, it's a it's a question that we should ask ourselves when we read this. Is it saying to us that if we're in a submissive position, if we're as, if we live as, if we're uh, bound by slavery, or we? Um, you know, we're a person who has no power, um, and, uh, for example, uh, whether if you're a refugee, asylum seekers, if you're in a country where there's a, uh, you know, a, 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 what do you call it, like a totalitarian regime, like China, Iran, or, or places like this, why don't you just rise up and uh, overthrow And, of course, the truth is, and some of the examples we have quoted, of Martin Luther King and William Wilberforce, are examples, Emily Pankhurst, of people who have led movements to rise up and seek to change the system. And Christians um, uh, have been part of that. Um, But it's also true that sometimes... You don't have the power and the capacity to do that. It's also true that sometimes for some people you don't have the power and the capacity to do that. If we look at the history of the slave um, trade, the, the, the North Atlantic slave trade, many, many people had no power over the system. And in the midst of it, they developed this deep spirituality of trusting in Jesus, trusting in God. Songs such as, you know, um, that we shall overcome, songs that reject that, uh, project that um, faith. that though they are powerless to change this system, yet one day God will vindicate us. God will liberate us. God will, you know, even if um, I die as a slave from the wounds that I receive, Yet God will vindicate me. God will lift me up. God will save me. And I have a hope in Christ who gave his life for me. And Peter points to the suffering of Christ that even if you're in a situation where you cannot change your circumstances, Christ went the way of suffering even to the point of death. And, uh, but God raised him up. And uh, that power over death And new life gives hope to any and everybody. But it would be wrong to say that Peter um, didn't think that things could change. Um, Even though he saw the slaves and the slaves in this term were kind of bonded workers a little bit like, uh, I suppose, the migrant workers in some of the Middle Eastern countries, you know, building the stadiums for the FIFA World Cup, where they are bonded to come, and they have to work so many hours, and they have very little rights, and, and they get very little pay, and, but they don't have power to break out of that. But this is their only option. And um, because um, they... Uh, uh, Peter encourages them, yes, even if you're in this situation, continue. The burning coals are on your master's head. You continue to do good. You continue through good character, through the good deeds that you do, to live for Christ, to honor Christ in the midst of it. Um, I put Ephesians 6, 5 to 9 there because I think it's interesting because there's a similar passage there in the Apostle Paul. And he says this, slaves, um, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And verse 9, And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. And it seems there that Paul sees that, actually, even through the witness and of the slaves, masters... Um, slave masters may come to faith in Christ and they will change their ways. And so the relationship between master and slave will be renewed, will be changed and will become mutually beneficial. And um, uh, I guess from from their standpoint, that was as much as they could hope for and envisage within this um, oppressive Roman empire. We see in uh, Jesus, in the ministry of Jesus, Luke 23, how when Jesus was uh, in the run-up to the cross, um, that Jesus held his ground. On one occasion he said, you know, if I wanted to bring a revolution I could bring down legions of uh, angels and and um, but because Jesus called anointed the uh, the prophecies of the Old Testament that one would come the Son of the very Son of God and give his life to bring uh, life to us, um, Jesus was destined to walk this way and to go to the cross, but even in the midst of that um, luke twenty three verse one to nine the assembly arose. And led him off to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, we found this man averting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar, claims to be Messiah, a king. And Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You, Jesus said, You have said so. And Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, He stares up. Uh, the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. He has been seen as an influencer, influencing many people. We can look at the Sermon on the Mount. We can look at the feeding of the 5,000, of the way that Jesus um, uh, was able to draw lots of thousands of people to come and listen to him and project to them an alternative way of living their lives. And uh, a new way of of, of living, and um, but it challenged um, the uh, the Roman, uh, well certainly the, the Jewish establishment and the Roman establishment, and in verse um, nine. It says uh, when Herod, he was was sent to Herod in verse 8. Herod saw Jesus. He was greatly pleased because for a long time he'd be wanting to see him from what he had heard about him. He hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. And there was a kind of defiance there. A kind of, I won't be drawn in to your, your games. Um... And Jesus wasn't about staying up a revolution. When Peter cut off the ear of the guard and Jesus said, no, he heals the ear of the guard. He said, this is not the way that the, uh, that the kingdom of God will come. Um, but nevertheless, the way he stands and refuses to speak, he holds his ground. And so when we think about protest, and protest is big in our time, not least around uh, climate change, um... The, the challenge for us is on the one hand to live character, to live lives of character, That they, they, the things that are important, the things we should live for, um, that we, you know, for example, if you take climate change, for me to look at my recycling, to look at my car use, to, leave, to look at my, um, you know, things that we know um, impact on our environment, by doing good... The things we can do that we have control over, like planting trees um, or, you know, whatever things that we can do. Um, you know, we're seeking as a church to attain equal church status, which involves us changing the way some of the things that we do as a church, where we get our electricity from, um, how we use the resources we've got, how we encourage people who use our hall to also recycle and reduce waste, and these kind of things. And then by protest, we can uh, look to those in power to say, well, let's, you know, you have, the con- you have the power, you have the budget, you, ch- you make the laws, and to bring about change that uh, better reflects the kingdom of God and recognises the need for change in the way that we live our lives. But it's true in, every, in whichever aspect of concern. Um, it's true in, in uh, issues like abortion, where how we live our lives, seek to um, uh, live our lives where we feel that that's not the best way forward, that to value the unborn child, we can do, um, uh, do good with others. It's all right to say people should not have abortions if we're not providing support for those who find themselves um, uh, pregnant in difficult circumstances. And so we as a church need to go the extra mile to provide options. And those who uh, work... Um, in, in this area know the need of providing support in this area and then by protest, by seeking to challenge those who are making laws changing laws and say you need to think about that the extent to which laws have been changing are um, you know quite, quite frightening and has implications in all kinds of ways and so to be able to speak truth to power and to say, you need to think about this. Uh, you need to think about the implications. Uh, why, on the one hand, yes, the, uh, the rights of people. On the other hand, um, the rights of the unborn child. And to uh, challenge Uh, So in all kinds of areas and coming back to our own desire to make known the love of Christ, the light of Christ, the truth of the gospel, forgiveness, renewal in Christ, forgiveness of sins, the things we've done wrong, the many ways in which we fail God in our own lives to come back and to seek personal renewal and to grow in character to seek to do good, to be a blessing to those around us and to seek to change the structures of our world through um, protest. Those of you who um, have been interested, uh, those of you who have been doing training um, with the safeguarding um, Will know that we've had trainers for training in safeguarding for those of you in junior church and that. Um, and the organization we use uh, is CC Pass. And they've changed their name to 318. And everybody was thinking, what's 31A? And uh, anyway, if you go to the next slide, this is 31 It's Proverbs 31.8 is where they've taken the new name of the organization um, from. It's Proverbs 31.8, which says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. And this is uh, the, the challenge um, to us. Um, so, live such good lives, verse 12, among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's be influencers for God, influences for Christ, both in the way that we live our lives, character, the things that we do to be a blessing to those around us, and the change that we seek to make and bring about as Christians in our society.